The resurrection of the crucified Jesus brings transformation, a truth we celebrate every Sunday. But then Monday arrives with its unrelenting demands and distractions. In view of this perennial challenge, we invite you to join us for the day after Sunday, a weekly discussion between a preacher, Chris Costaldo, and a music guy, Greg Wheatley, on the implication of Christ's kingdom for everyday life. Greg, you've been traveling. I understand you went to New York. We did go to New York, Queens. I mean, Queens. Isn't, isn't that your old stomping ground? It is. Or very close I was close born to. in Queens. So I know just enough now to be dangerous. I can talk about Jamaica. <laughs> Jamaica Ave, the, wow. or the Avenue, I think I'm supposed to call think, it, right? I think so. It's just around the corner from where my uh, son-in-law and daughter live. So, yeah, we got uh, we got the immersion experience of New York City this time. Did you eat New York pizza? That's yes. what I wanted. You did? Yes, we ate New York pizza. And did you fold it uh, properly? I oh, Now you're getting me. I know my last trip I did because I was under the watchful eye of my son-in-law. <laughs> That's good. But uh, He's discipling sure. you then. He's trying. You yeah. know, he's trying. He's a he's a native, as you are. Yes. So, yeah. yeah, well done. I wish I could have been there to share that moment with you. And how about your summer? It's uh, It's been nice. Yeah. We went down to Springfield. So we had a Midwest experience. The Lincoln experience. We did. Yeah. Yep. Did the museum. Did you learn anything uh, earth-shaking? You, you know what I learned? You didn't know? Yes. The, uh, the great Italian revolutionary, Giuseppe Garibaldi, hmm. uh, was invited by Abraham Lincoln to lead the Union forces hmm. here in the States. And Garibaldi was inclined to do it. He wrote back and said, it would be my privilege to serve the United States. But he insisted as a condition that the slaves must be set free. Hmm. And at that point, Abraham Lincoln was not prepared to make that commitment. It was oh. two years before the Emancipation Proclamation. Hmm. And uh, as a result, uh, Garibaldi did not come. Hmm. But how interesting is that? That is interesting. Yeah. I, is, there, uh, is there indication that that helped change Lincoln's mind? I mean, is, is that the idea that he I don't was know. influenced by Garibaldi? I don't know, but I love the yeah. thought of that. Yeah. Because yeah, then we can credit an Italian. <laughs> an Italian would get credit for something <laughs> really good. It's about time. <laughs> not enough of that. <laughs> but well, hey, that's not what we're here to talk about. How do about, we segue it? from yeah. that to today's topic? Today we want to talk about the 10-year anniversary of New Covenant Church, which we celebrated a couple of weeks ago over at College Church, mm-hmm. because that is where we originated. Right. And it was a it was a great time to remember together. It, it was uh, maybe people that are listening to this, you know, from h- hither and yon, need a quick history lesson on New Covenant Church because that's not a that's not an obvious thing on the surface. Uh, that's right. Where we came from. So we were a plant mm-hmm. that originated in Wheaton at College Church. In God's strange providence, I was the pastor of church planting at the time responsible for sending another pastor into some other place to start a church. And that other pastor happened to be Doug O'Donnell. Mm-hmm. So I had the joy of working with Doug. Also for... an Italian, right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> an Italian who does clog dancing. Yeah. And uh, so for months, we worked together before he started uh, convening services here in Naperville. Mm-hmm. Uh, hired Andrew Fulton and... Uh, that is how it all got started. Yeah. And then, uh, what's it been, five or six years that the transition happened with the merger? Yeah, uh, right. Yeah. So six or so years into the plant, there was a merger with what was then Naperville Congregational Church. And um, 
they had a building which we now occupy, and it was this wonderful marriage of a, of a young, vibrant church plant with uh, an established church filled with uh, older, more mature Christians. And uh, that was the moment when the ministry moved in a new direction. Mm-hmm. And that's where we sit right now in, that's that, right. in that building, and uh, it's New Covenant Church. It's really uh, an interesting amalgam, isn't it, between two congregations. It is. It is. And that's not an easy thing to do. I mean, uh, anyone who's familiar with church planting and mergers knows that more times than not, it implodes. Uh, But by God's grace, it was a a fruitful endeavor. And I look out upon the congregation, as you do every Sunday, and I see the wonderful fruit Mm -hmm. of that marriage. Yep. Well, so we had a birthday party. So we did. Or an anniversary party, I guess. Uh, ten years. And you you spoke at College Church, sort of brought greetings on behalf of all of us at New Covenant. And you you reviewed, by the way, admirably with no notes. I was impressed, I have to tell you. Here's this guy. Folks, listen. Not a stitch of notes in front of him. And he was flawless. <laughs> he was flawless. Did you have a teleprompter in the back? Is that I did. what I was missing? No, as long as you talk to yourself for a week straight, you too can do yeah, that. Okay. But uh, essentially, you reviewed some of the distinctives. I know the word DNA gets used a lot, but um, there's sort of this, this uh, DNA that got transplanted from College Church to us here, and we still, we still feel the fruits of that, don't we? That's right. I wanted to recognize the legacy of College Church I think I described it as a heartbeat, and I did so in terms of three basic gifts, the first of which was and is gospel partnership. So I told a little story of when we were on retreat as a staff. College church pastors go away twice a year, and it's unlike most retreats. Most retreats have a whiteboard and planning, Mm -hmm. and it's all very purpose-driven. But for college church, it's always been aimed at relationship building. So I shared a little story of walking through the forest with the staff when Kent Hughes handed me his Benelli shotgun and explained how to use it. That was a little frightening when you mentioned that. It was. (laughs) Well, I'm from New York. You know, we generally don't do guns in New York. So that became a bit of a metaphor uh, to describe the sort of camaraderie that we enjoyed. Mm-hmm. So there's this gospel partnership. And I, I know, I mean, I've never been on staff at College Church, but um, just from the years I was there and hearing the stories, that was one of Kent Hughes's uh, fortes, wasn't it? That, that he knew how to um, create um, collegiality with staff and to leverage that for, for really building into younger people's lives. I was surprised by the leisurely pace on my first retreat. We would sit around the fire and tell stories. We would sing. Our wives would go antiquing or have tea. And it wasn't until later I realized how vitally important that is, mm-hmm. that you are putting relational currency in the bank. And that is indescribably important when you are serving together in the trenches of ministry. And, and Kent was intentional about mm-hmm. building that ethos on retreat. And then uh, by extension, into the other places we did ministry mm. together. Probably one of those things where you wake up one morning and you realize, oh, this is not an accident. He's doing this on purpose. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah. that's right. So, so that was gospel partnership. Uh, what, the second item was? Second item was Christ-centered preaching. Mm. And in, in this instance, it is a conviction that 
all of Scripture points to the person and work of Jesus. It's not to say that we, we shoehorn Jesus into every text, uh, but, it, but it is in recognition of the fact that all of Scripture relates to this drama that you know begins in the book of Genesis, takes shape and culminates in the book of Revelation. The storyline of the Bible, right? Right, yeah. right. Yep. And, and our privilege as preachers and teachers and disciplers is to connect the dots between a particular passage and that storyline. You know, I, I grew up in a church, and, and this is not at all to throw those churches under the bus because I, I owe a lot to my upbringing in a couple of churches as, as a boy. But um, getting to college church and hearing that talked about over and over, hearing um, CE, Christian Ed people, talk about how they made sure that was in the curriculum, how we didn't, uh, for example, take the story of David and Goliath and just moralize it into a nice uh, story, but it had to do, every, everything's pointing to, to Jesus, right? That was uh, that was a somewhat new idea for me, and, and it's so important, isn't it? It's so easy to take a passage of Scripture in a direction that the, the authors had no intention of taking it. Um, we call that uh, eisegesis. We read our ideas. Now, look, we, we all do that in some way at times. Uh, as I've said, there, there's no such thing as a view from nowhere, right? Mm -hmm. We're all conditioned and situated. Um, but as best we can, we, we want to understand a, a statement of Scripture in its context. Mm -hmm. So the way it's sometimes explained is every, every verse belongs to a passage. Every passage is in a chapter, every chapter in a book, every book is in a testament, and the testaments are in a canon that hang together mm -hmm. and have at its leading edge this person and work of Christ. And I'll tell you, uh, Chris, the thing that, that comes to my mind right now, even as we sit here and talk, you're in the midst of a series on Colossians, and we're talking about the supremacy of Christ. That kind of approach to the scriptures really makes that come alive, doesn't it? Because everything you're coming back to is you're saying, you know what, no matter what we're talking about, Exodus, Leviticus, the Psalms, ultimately we want to say, this is, Jesus is everything. Yes, um, and if we're not, as you say, preaching that, then we're really not uh, not really what we want to be. The way Doug O'Donnell expressed that is in terms of Christ preached from all of Scripture, and so when you come to worship at New Covenant and you hear a sermon, uh, you will at some point understand, hopefully, that this passage is telling you something about your need, your fallenness, your sin, and the way in which the gospel addresses that particular need and transfers you from darkness into light. Favorite verse. Thank you for saying that. Um, and, you know, just, just to play the, play the devil's advocate a little bit here and, and clarify, some people may be hearing us and saying, oh, well, if I come to New Covenant, I'm going to hear a sermon where every sermon ends with, a call to, you know, accept Christ, or it, we're not talking about a sort of a simplistic, everything comes down to an altar call, right? I mean, sometimes you hear preaching that, that you kind of know every time it's going to end up there, and that's, I don't think that's what you're saying. That's right. It's a helpful uh, clarification. There, there are themes in Scripture, uh, themes such as temple. So when, when you look at the storyline, you can, you can consider, for example, the Garden of Eden and recognize that it was a sort of temple 
that it had uh, an image in it, uh, Adam, uh, the image of God, who reflected God into the world. And so you can trace a theme like that through the Bible. You could do it with, you could do it with Sabbath. Um, you could do it with rest. I mean, it's just so many of these uh, exodus. And um, when you have perspective on those themes, it it brings into focus how Scripture is held together. Mm-hmm. Uh, that the, the 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 doctrine of inspiration is no longer an abstract concept, but but you see on the page the intentionality with which God has brought these different stories together. I'm thinking of uh, Richard Hayes, who is a Duke University New Testament scholar, and I think the phrase he uses is reading backwards. Mm. So he talks about figural reading, um, looking at some things in the New Testament and seeing how they really reflect back to things um, that are types, right? Is that the word? Uh, yeah. In the Old Testament. Right? Yeah, it's illuminating. It's like mm-hmm. the the lights just go on whenever that happens. As they just did in this room for some strange reason. I don't know what happened there. You must have said something terribly profound. Uh, <laughs> you let, were the one talking. Let there be light. So. Well, so there was a third component to our, uh, our right. little anniversary party. Yes. So so we have a gospel partnership was one. Uh, second, the, the gospel at the leading edge. Um, with with explicit reference to Jesus. Uh, and then third is gospel-centered worship. Hmm. And what I pointed out was, was this wonderful tradition of musical excellence, someone like an H.E. Singley playing a majestic song on the organ, you know, or, or the choir leading the congregation in, in a fantastic hymn like Abide With Me. Um, and... Uh, doing that for the glory of God in such a way that lifts our souls upward mm-hmm. so that it's it's not singing about uh, simply about our experience, though that's right. part of it because God draws people to himself. Uh, but it is first and foremost about who God is and what God has done. Mm-hmm. And now, of course, you're dipping into my uh, my area here, which I, I get excited about. So, yeah, it, and it's so much fun each week. Uh, I tell people all the time how much fun it is to work with you guys, you and and Andrew Fulton, um, to craft a service that tries to do that. We don't get it perfect, um, but that we try to begin, for example, with a hymn that is um, not just textually solid, but has a sense of lifting the congregation. Then we usually, you know, the middle hymn is often a little more laid back and a little more contemplative. and then trying to tie those those threads together so that we're not just randomly singing songs because they feel good, um, but because they have a purpose and, and the way they fit in our service. So I'm going to ask a question. This is a big question and probably difficult for you to answer, but what, what do you think are some of the reasons why churches today in general take an approach that doesn't always have those priorities mm-hmm. in view? Yeah, that is a hard question. Um, I think one of the problems these days is that we as a culture are so given to subjective feeling. Um, And I I think the church has perhaps unwittingly um, and maybe with a admirable desire to draw people Mm -hmm. has said, well, then let's, let's go with that. Um, So a lot of our songs, though they kind of masquerade as, glory as praise to God, they really, when you sit down and parse them out, are about how I feel. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to say God is great, but in that 
song, I come around to saying what that means to me. God, you're so great. You've done this. And as you said a minute ago, there's nothing wrong with personal testimony. Yeah. But I, I look at it as where is the majority of our diet? And if the majority of our diet in worship is that way, to me, it stands to reason we're going to disciple Christians who have that as their sort of M.O. I'm, I'm glad you put it that way, because that, that's another question I had. How does discipleship fit into this equation? Because there yeah. is something about worship, about singing, what we Absolutely. do together on Sunday that forms us. It's, it's formative. Yeah. Um, there's a man by the name of Calvin Johansson who wrote, it's probably been 25 years ago now, but wrote a book called Discipling Music Ministry. And um, the idea is exactly what you've said. This is not uh, the musical component of our worship service is not an also ran. It's not just, well, we got the sermon figured out. Now let's sing a few songs. Um, It's all one piece. And just as we would say a sermon shapes us, uh, prayers shape us, the creeds shape us, so does our our hymn singing. Um, and, And I would argue... Uh, you got me going now. I would argue that it's not only the text of those songs, which is obviously important, it's the music. Hmm. So that if we're constantly having a diet of music that's easily accessible, kind of like what I'd hear on the radio, nice to listen to, there's nothing sinful about that. Mm -hmm. But I would argue that if that's your constant diet in a worship context, you're sending the wrong message. Um, so this whole idea of discipleship by way of the musical component, I think, is is really an important one. And this is difficult for people like you and me to address, frankly. Why? Because we have convictions. We think, as you just said, it matters for our discipleship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yet, we are in a town with, with a lot of very large contemporary churches, and, and we, we don't want to express our convictions in such a way that will suggest that these churches right. are outside the pale right. or something no. of that. You know, no. So we're in this, we, we want to uphold the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace, but also tell the truth yeah. in what we believe theologically and liturgically. Right. And, and, and it's one thing to, to um, write someone off and say, well, you know, not even sure you're a true church. I mean... That That is not what we're saying. Um, but I think we do have God's given us minds to think this through. Mm-hmm. Um, he's given us not only his word, which frankly, you know, it's hard to go to the word and find text that proof texts that say thou shalt have music that sounds like this. It, it's just not there. But we do have um, tradition, which I think is important. Uh, we don't place tradition above Scripture, but we do want to look at church tradition and say, do we really want to throw out um, a long, long heritage now, you know, suddenly as we live in this age where we are very personal and subjective? Do we really want to do that? So I think God gives us minds to think all of that through. Um, I sometimes say, have said to my classes when I teach about this, I think one of the problems isn't just where we land musically or worship style. It's that we aren't even asking the right questions. Hmm. So we ought at least, at the bare minimum, to be asking, why am I choosing this song I'm choosing? Yes. Uh, and if that still lands you somewhere that I wouldn't prefer, then at least you've, you've asked the question. 
So, In my experience, Greg, it is uh, all of that. It's a matter of, of principle. It's theologically driven, and it's also practical. There are occasions when I am in a place of discouragement, and I will pick up my hymnal, mm-hmm. and I will sing some great song. I mentioned Abide With Me. That happens to be on my mind right yep. now. And those words speak to me in such a deeply personal way that it's hard to imagine the Christian life without those songs. Exactly. I think about this every now and then. Um, I grew up in church traditions that were more gospel song oriented. But be that as it may, I still, there will be moments when I'm reading the scriptures and I think, that's this hymn. Hmm. And then your mind is drawn off to that hymn text, as you said. And it's just a rich experience of... um, enhancement of our of our worship. We have my son Simeon here today as our engineer. It was just a few weeks ago that we went together to visit Loretta when she was on her deathbed, mm. just hours from death. And uh, we read scripture and we prayed. And then I felt impressed to share a portion of a hymn. Mm. So it was the last stanza of Abide With Me. And uh, it, 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 it's... Yeah. It didn't occur to me, Greg, when I started to to recite it, how pertinent it is to that moment when yep. you are on the threshold it's of hold life. Hold thou death. thy cross. Yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. So hold thou thy cross before my closing eyes. Yep. Shine through the gloom and point me to the skies. Heaven's morning breaks and earth's vain shadows flee. In life and in death, yeah. O Lord, abide with That's me. That's a great stanza. Yeah, uh, You know, what can you say? In that moment, a song like that, words like that, speak to our hearts mm-hmm. and provide us with the perspective we need yeah. in order to move yeah. forward in faith. And, and what I would argue is that you could take that same sentiment, if you paraphrase that stanza you just quoted, um, in very colloquial terms, you know, you could say, hey, remember when you're dying that the cross is what it's all about. Well, that's true. But if I'm dying, <laughs> I want to hear it phrased like the hymn writer said it. Yeah. Because there's something that gets deep in our soul with that poetry that just speaking the the bald truth, um, it isn't quite as powerful. Yeah. Well, as I approached that event at College Church, uh, I had in mind the fifth commandment, honor your father and mother, mm. and I think there there is a real sense in which remembering the place from which we have come as a church is a way of remembering yep. and celebrating our ecclesial past. Yeah, the 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 fathers and mothers who have invested in us and have given us these convictions by which we do ministry. Yeah, well, again, ten years, and I'm sure uh, I wasn't a part of New Covenant from the beginning. But, um, you know, it's just such a great place to be. And you do feel, as you just said, you do feel that parental influence in things we do. We probably ought to conclude by saying um, that having said all that about New Covenant, we'd love to have people come visit us, wouldn't we? Yes, we would love to have you join us. New Covenant is located at the intersection of 75th Street and South Washington in Naperville. Worship begins at 1030 a.m. on Sunday morning. We would love to meet you. We would, so come and come and check it out. And uh, who knows what the next podcast will hold? We'll find out. Yes, we will. All right, see you then. 
Thank you for joining us for the day after Sunday. We'd love to have you worship with us at New Covenant Church this Sunday morning at 10.30 at the corner of South Washington and 75th Street in Naperville. And please join us next week for the day after Sunday.